What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> Yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, heaters. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat, presented to you, as always, by Manscaped. Thank you all, as always, for joining us. We appreciate all of you listening. I'm Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by not only my regular Mordant co-host, but also by Monty, who is on the pod again this evening. Hi, Monty. On the pod again. (laughs) Talking baseball with my friends again. Make sure you find us on Twitter. Uh, the show's there at Half Street High Heat. You can find us on the website at halfstreethighheat.com. There's lots of good stuff out there. Ryan wrote uh, an article. I mean, Nick, I'm sorry, wrote an article recently, which is usually not the case. So make sure you check that out. You don't want to miss it. And we're going to have the counterpoint uh, to that article. I think, is that coming out tomorrow? It should be. Okay. So lots of good stuff out there. Don't miss it. So how are you guys doing? You can't, we're not on video for, for this recording, but uh, you can't see me. I'm shaking my head so hard because I know Monty was waiting to say that joke for hours since he uh-huh. knew he was coming on tonight. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and then he finally, you know, he finally gets his moment to shine and it, it came out a little bit flat. You would have thought practicing in the mirror would have uh, helped you hit the notes there, Monty. Hmm. You, you'd think that, but pressure, pressure, pressure. It, it's, yeah. It's just never as easy as it is when you're practicing in front of the mirror using your brush as a microphone. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like like Victor Robles with runners on base, I crumbled. <laughs> yeah. Did I that? Oh, or maybe you just lost your voice because it's coming home, right? England all the way? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> is that, are we talking about soccer? Well, I only talk soccer because we had Blake on last episode, and uh, Blake has made Ryan and myself uh, England fans, so... We're we're fully uh, on the it's coming home train. Oh, every I see. everything bad that has happened in the world is because of England. I just want to throw that out there in the history of the world. It's all England's fault. Okay, well that's that's a little bit of a shot fired. Thank you there. for you know your fifth <laughs> podcast appearance and just insulting you know part a portion of our listeners. That that's <laughs> that's exactly what you want to do to earn more airtime. <laughs> 
Yes. Although I did see there may be a fight between uh, Blake and Matt to be best friend of the pod. That's pretty exciting stuff. So we'll have to. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, you didn't see that? It was on oh. Twitter. I uh, I had thanked Blake for coming on, and he responded about uh, taking over the best uh, best friend of the pod status. And uh, Matt said Matt said he'd fight him. So we'll have to see. I'll have to see where that goes. I'm all for a nice little friendly competition. Yeah. This happened. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know how I, you guys no missed idea. it. It was yesterday. You know, in the episode of The Office where Angela lets Dwight and Andy fight, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's Runs what this is going to be. <laughs> Fantastic! I'm here for it. It's a smart play. <laughs> smart play. <laughs> the priest is silent if it stays under two miles an hour. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's move on to the quick pitch, which tonight is about combined no hitters, which I find ridiculous. I could not possibly care any less about a combined no hitter. There was uh, five. Rays pitchers combined on a seven-inning no-hitter of the Indians, and this is somehow like on MLB.com as a news story. Like who? So my no qu- the quick pitch, it is of course, but five pitchers over seven innings. Come on, it's a no-hitter. Well, what's the question? What's the question? The question is, should combined no-hitters be a thing that people care about? I mean, you care about a relay from the outfield that gets someone out. It's the same thing. That's a phenomenal counterpoint. It's not it's, a phenomenal counterpoint. That's just a great play. Enjoying a great play is not the same thing okay. as. Do you know? Do you know how hard it is for a combined no hitter to happen? Like when a no hitter happens, there's one pitcher who just has this absolute A game, but every single pitcher that's going in there after the starter knows exactly what the situation is, and they don't want to be the one to ruin it. So they have that going, and you have multiple people pitching. It's so impressive. Like people are going to care because it's ah bah humbug, you know only. Great people pitch. Mm, well, back in my day, only one person pitched. But, like, you care about relays from the outfield. It's the same exact thing. They're cool. Just enjoy things. Yeah. I don't think they're worth celebrating particularly. But, Monty, your thoughts? I'm just, ha- I'm just happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> I like to enjoy things like being on the podcast. No, um, I really enjoy uh, any, you know, they're, they're not the same as nine inning or, uh, sorry, combined no hitters. Uh, whether they're nine innings or seven innings, I think it's impressive. I like to see it. It's, it, it is, you've got some advantages if it's uh, combined, but you also have the disadvantages, like Ryan said. But I, if, if they put a zero up in the hits column, I'm going to enjoy it. I don't care if it's nine innings. I don't care if it's seven innings. Uh, but do you maps, consider it, it to be a thing like a, like to me a nine inning no hitter for one pitcher is you know that's an incredibly impressive accomplishment. I don't even think a seven inning no hitter from the pitch. Obviously that's still impressive, but it's not the same. Right. But a combined seven inning no hitter is just like, come on, that's not a no hitter. I'm gonna enjoy it. I uh, enjoy but, it, but it's not the but, same. Especially if it's the Nats, I'm gonna enjoy a no hitter if it's a, if it's one inning. If it's the Nats, I'm gonna yes. you know every zero. <laughs> yeah, every zero is precious. I mean, it's quite literally still a no-hitter. That, that's the definition of a no-hitter is no hits. If you want to argue that it, it's less special because it's not just one guy on his A-game dominating that night, then, you know, that's your prerogative. But a, a no-hitter is no-hitter, and this is kind of just nitpicking where, you know, it, it's like when Nats fans – have the trump card versus anyone else in the NL East saying, you know, we won 2019 and no one else has come close since. And Mets fans are like, nah, 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 nah. you know, they try to poke holes in our 2019 argument. World Series title is a World Series title. No hitters and no hitter. No matter how you get there, it is what it is. Like the Nats weren't the no, number one seed all, all the way through 2019, but they still won. Maybe the no hitter wasn't just one guy, your team's ace just shoving the entire night. But they still got it done. A no-hitter is a no-hitter. It, it's I, I get it's different, but at the end, it's the same result, and that's what you're shooting for. Well, of course, yeah. No-hitters are – it's great if your team doesn't give up a hit. I just – I don't think the idea of celebrating it as if this were a no-hitter where a guy went nine innings is – I just feel like they get a little too much play. But I, I'd personal argue, opinion. I'd argue it, it's more difficult than one guy shoving. Mm, because you have five guys that need to do their job. How many times? Well, have right, you... but some of those guys went one inning. You seen one going out and having one scoreless inning. Yeah, and how many so, times have we seen a Nats pitcher try to go one inning and they can't even complete the inning without you know runners on base, a plethora of hits. I mean, every Brad Hand save Christ's has like two or three runners on base. Yeah. Ever Rosenthal went like thirty outings without getting an out. 
I don't think he's the, that that Trevor Rosenthal time okay. when he was with the Nats is a good example. But it's hard. Like I, I Yargo doesn't really make sense here. It's hard. It it's, doesn't it's make even sense. even harder with it being combined. But you know, you you're, think it's you're harder saying, to have a combined no hitter to... than it is to have yes! a one. Yes. Yes. I Relievers suck. You're Relievers saying it's nothing suck. to celebrate. <laughs> I'm saying it shouldn't be celebrated in the same way that a no hitter from one guy. I mean, you quite literally celebrated. said it's nothing to celebrate just a couple minutes ago. Well, I do not think a combined no hitter is in any way harder than a no hitter from one pitcher. I think that's insane. But uh, breaking news: Juan Soto is derby ready. He just hit a three run bomb. Nice. Um, but to, well, wow, that's amazing. But back to back to my point. I can't wait for the day the Nats throw a combined no hitter and co- Amanda completely reverses her argument. No. It's not like it's not cool. It's fun. It's just not the same thing. Already backtracked. You know what? You know yeah. what? This it's is cool. It's not the same thing. It shouldn't be celebrated like a no hitter. That's all I'm saying. It's not the same thing as a guy going out there and throwing a nine inning no hitter. Even a seven inning no hitter from the same guy isn't the same thing as a guy going out and throwing a nine inning no hitter. Do you, do you know what this exactly this argument is? It's when Nats fans say, "Well, 2020 doesn't count," but then those same Nats fans are mad that Juan Soto didn't win MVP because he missed games because of COVID. It's the same exact thing. Like if the Nats threw a combined no hitter, you'd be excited. Sure, it'd be cool. It wouldn't be. I wouldn't be as excited as if Max went out and threw a no hitter. Well, Max isn't going to do that again. He's not going to the Fetty. team come August first. <laughs> yeah, don't say that. I don't want to hear those words. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> All oh, right. hey, Monty, I forgot you were here. <laughs> I was stewing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's enough talk about no-hitters. Clearly, we're not going to agree. All right, Ryan, can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on around baseball? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yes. And we start off with the biggest story in baseball. Shohei Otani has 32 home runs on July 7th. That is the most before the All-Star break in the single season since Chris Davis in 2013. His 32 home runs also are the most for a Japanese-born player. He breaks Hideki Matsui's record of 2004. Jacob deGrom says he will skip the All-Star game. Dodgers preparing to move on from Bauer as they have canceled his bobblehead giveaway and have pulled all merchandise from the team stores. The Indians have lost nine straight games, and the White Sox now have an eight-game lead in the American League Central. The White Sox have now gotten even better because they just got rid of the biggest cancer in baseball, also known as Adam Eaton. To the NL East, in fifth place are the 37 and 47 Marlins. They took game one and two from the Dodgers. They are currently trailing now in game three. After they face the Dodgers, they take on the Braves. In fourth place are the 41 and 43 Nationals. More on them in a second. In third are the 42 and 44 Braves. They dropped 2-3 to the Pirates. First they got blown out. Then they lost on the walk-off walk. The Braves suck. Up next for them are the Marlins. Congratulations. You'll probably still lose. In second place are the 41 and 42 Phillies. They took the first two against the Cubs as the Cubs cannot find a way to win any game. And they also just took the lead after that. They have the Red Sox, who do not lose. In first place are the 45 and 38 Mets. They took game one against the Brewers as DeGrom outpitched Corbin Burns. They dropped game two today, but they did take two or three against the Brewers. After the Brewers are apparently the Mighty Pirates, since Braves can't beat the Pirates, so they have to be good. And then they face the Braves. This has been your week in review. I keep thinking that the... uh the Braves are going to turn around because I'm just like used to it at this point, right? It's it's usually been the Braves division, and now it's, I mean, they're they're still in it. Don't get me wrong, but it just feels like they've never even really been a discussion point. It feels like it's been the Mets, and then obviously we're a Nats podcast, so we're talking about the Nats, uh, you know, prospects of winning the division and, and catching up to the Mets. But we haven't really been talking about the Braves much. I know they have a bunch of injuries, but still, it's it's a little different than usual years yeah they have um freeman who has taken a step back this year even though he's still an all-star somehow the rest of the offense hasn't really been doing anything and they have a ton of injuries to their pitching rotation and just their staff in general so they have a lot of guys out there who really shouldn't be up um some dudes that they were going to be really counting on this year have been hurt for most of the year so you take in the fact that they have a atrocious bullpen um an underperforming pitching staff because of injuries and an inconsistent offense, you have an under, you know, you have a bad year. And they 
pretty much be out of it, but the NL East is so bad that they still have a shot that applies to every single team in the NL East. Mm. But yeah, um, them just like the Mets, even though the Mets are somehow sur- surviving, but injuries are just killing them. Yeah, it, with the Braves, not to mention they, granted, rightfully so, lost Marcelo Zuna, and that was a big piece of, of their lineup, at least uh, the way they they have it had it constructed. So the fact that you know Freeman and some other guys maybe aren't living up to the potential uh, offense that they counted on. Can't Acuna can't win it by himself, and he's having a great year yet again. So it's kind of all for naught. Yeah, it's definitely been surprising how bad they've been. Um, I, did we all pick them to win the division? I think we did. Uh, yes, because I had the Mets as a wild card team. Yeah, uh, I so- picked. I picked the Nats. thank you monty (laughs) you're welcome i actually i have i have a bet on them to win the division as well i'm still feeling pretty good about it that's because the odds were so great you might as well throw 10 and win like 200 yeah why not i'm not going to confirm or deny that (laughs) putting your money where your mouth is i love it yeah it's uh, surprising how bad the braves have been although as you pointed out they they've still got a shot to win this division just like every other team in the division does it's you know the Mets though have actually impressed me. I they were on paper very good, but the Mets usually don't do as well as you expect that they will when you look at the on paper situation. So the fact that they have persevered the way they have through so many injuries makes me feel like if I had to pick today who I think is going to win the NL East, it would be the Mets. But I, you know, the Mets could do it. The Braves could do it. Theoretically, even the Marlins could do it. But I don't really see that yeah. happening. With the Mets, the the success is really what the Nats wish their season would have looked like, and that's with the big three in the rotation. DeGrom's mm-hmm. obviously the best pitcher on the planet, but the addition of Taiwan Walker is one of the best additions of the offseason in, in total. And getting Marcus Stroman back, who everyone thought he was going to go elsewhere for a longer contract, he actually accepted the qualifying offer, which I don't think many people saw coming. And Definitely. he's pitching like he's trying to cash in on a payday. Because, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman is a very savvy individual, um, not in the sense that, well, I guess it's a little bit different talking about Trevor Bauer now, but he doesn't he come off like a douchebag like Trevor Bauer did. Marcus Stroman is very savvy, and he bet on himself, but he, he's pitching phenomenally, too. So they have the big three like the Nats thought they would or at least counted uh, on having, and obviously mm-hmm. a tale of two teams with the big three right there. Imagine if we had signed Walker instead of Lester. I feel like I bring it up every episode, and I, it still hurts. It still hurts. Yep. It still hurts. Okay, so let's talk Nats. The, they're playing right now, game three against the Padres. They've got one win and one loss so far. How are you guys feeling about, I mean, obviously the putrid performance against the Dodgers and uh, looking definitely better? I mean, it kind of just confirms what I've been saying all year long. Like, if you can't beat the good teams, you have to play 650 ball and up against the bad teams. Unfortunately for the Nationals, they're not doing that. They're barely playing 500 ball against bad teams, and they're struggling against good teams. They're 1-5 right now against the Dodgers and the, and the Padres. They're currently winning right now. They could split that and go 3-5 and five against them. That's not good. You can't keep losing series to these playoff contending teams and say you're a contender. That's just not how it works, especially since you're not playing well enough against bad teams. You have to start taking these games, and everyone's going to be like, well, they're hurt. They were losing to them when they were healthy. They need, like, if this team truly wants to become a competitor and prove that they have a championship roster, um, LCD's Esquire should not be playing. I'll get to him (laughs) in a second. That's just absolutely embarrassing. But you have to start winning these series. You got swept by the Dodgers. Dodgers, you know, they were hot at the time, but they just lost the first two games to the Marlins. The Marlins were able to find a way to win two games against them. You weren't. Again, you know, that was when Trey was down. That was when Schwarber was down. Whatever. Things happen, but you have to find a way to split this series against the Padres. You have to find a way to win the series against the Giants. Kevin Gosman's going Sunday for the Giants. That's probably a a loss. Find a way to win Friday and Saturday. Like, you can't keep doing these well. You know, if we go 500, things are okay. If you go 500 when you're below 500 team, what does that mean? You miss the playoffs. You have to start making it up, and the Nats just aren't doing that right now. Yeah, with the the Nats as they currently stand, I feel like uh, uh, I'm two-faced almost. I I have two trains of thought. It's the one where I'm kind of normal Nick, 
realistic, not pessimistic, like some people like to say. I say realistic. And then there's the, the train of thought as if I were in, you know, Mike Rizzo's shoes trying to keep this team alive, afloat, because I had just seen what they did over the last three weeks leading up to the Dodgers series. Going into the Padres series, obviously you're at a, a not all-time low, uh, for the season, but you're at a, a pretty low point coming off a, a great stretch and losing the way you did to the Dodgers was pretty deflating. So winning game one of the series against the Padres, who are a great team in their own right, had to, you know, get you up a little bit. The game last night, it, it just, you know, didn't work out. Or I guess this would be Tuesday night if you're listening to this. Just we, we couldn't hang. And that that was a large in part due to all the replacement guys we have playing in the, the lineup and in the bullpen, especially Fetty looked a little bit rusty in his first start back. We'll get to that in a little bit, but you know, you have a chance to head into the all-star break within striking distance. And that's really all you can ask for based on how this season started for you guys with the way, you know, Bell was playing, Shorber was playing all the different injuries and back and forth to IL stints and, and everything in between. So if you can just be within striking distance at the All-Star break, I think that's a lot of what people's, you know, realistic best-case scenario was for the Nats, was to be in striking distance of the division at the the All-Star break, playing good baseball, getting some guys back, which, again, we'll get to in a second, which uh, they have been. So, you know, from that train of thought, they're almost where they want to be or a comfortable spot. It's just a matter of how they are going to finish leading up into the All-Star break. Because if they lose the next tonight, tomorrow against the Padres and the three against the Giants, so if you drop five going into uh, the All-Star break, all of a sudden you're seven games under 500 and you're probably 11 games back in the Mets. That really changes things. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely would. It's... I don't know. I can see your two trains of thought thing, but it's hard to it's hard to figure out this team right now. You know, they they really they keep kind of seesawing back and forth between looking like, hey, maybe they're getting this thing together and they're going to go on a run, and then they lose four straight. You know, it's it's hard to it's a, it's a tough thing to figure out right now. And I think we said a lot, you know, a week ago that this lead up to the All Star break is going to tell us a lot, and you know, we've still got a little ways to go to get through it. But I do think we'll have a clearer idea. Um, at the end of this run, but if if they basically split the middle, you know, they they come down where they are essentially in the same spot they were in this 17-game stretch, then it's still going to be tough to know what the right move is if you're Mike Rizzo. You know, you, know you said it's tough to know what they are because they go on a run and then they lose a lot. That means you're a 500 team. Yeah, I was going to say you're average. <laughs> exactly, but that's okay. You're, you're, you're Mike Rizzo, and you, do you try to... Like, hey, can we make this team a winner, or do well, you punt? Mike Mike Rizzo is not going to swallow his pride. Like we all know, he's not going to swallow his pride and do the right thing and sell. He's going to find a way to trade, and he's going to trade for you know, uh, what's his name, um, Astrubal Cabrera. He's going to bring back Jan Gomes, and he's going to be like, we just added a World Series champion and a World Series MVP with Steven Strasburg healthy. Like it's going to happen. I'm just going to get myself ready for it. But we'll talk more about that as the deadline approaches. Did you did you just say he's going to bring back Jan Gomes? I mean, Wilson Ramos, Monty, please meet yourself. Thank you. <laughs> Listen to what I meant, not what I said, please. I, you know, when are we getting eaten in uh, Steven Souza Jr.? I, I, this is my word right now. If either Adam Eaton or Steven Souza Jr. are somehow brought back to the Nationals, I will not be doing the podcast anymore. I'll be, I'll be eating it up. I'll be eating it all up. Monty will be taking my spot on the podcast if either one of those terrible baseball players come back on this team. So I am now officially on the on. sign Adam Eaton uh, <laughs> train. We will be on indefinite hiatus because where Ryan goes, I go. And yeah, Nick uh, and I are a package. So yeah. You got to walk out. that back because you know Mike Rizzo. <laughs> <laughs> he does love those wash-up bets. He we'll does, start our especially wash-up bets who played for heat. the Nats before. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's move on and talk a little bit about um, some good stuff. People coming back from injury who are looking. Trace looked really good. Some sparkling defense we've seen so far in this series. Thank God, because <laughs> uh, Ryan made the, the, the joke when he came back 
uh, we were recording our last episode at his first game back, and he hit a home run his first pitch back from injury uh, that uh, Trey's used to playing with nine fingers, and we've all seen what that looks like, and it's just it's great that he guts through it, but it's definitely not the same Trey. So him looking the way he has and playing the defense he has in the, uh, in the field, it, it's exactly what the team needed, especially with Schwarber out and uh, some other guys still on the shelf. You know what's funny? Uh, the Nats social media account, because Trey first came back, started two for two, and they're like, Trey's two for two. Let's just get our next cycle graphic ready. He went over his next seven. Like, just <laughs> absolute funny thing. They're a walking jinx. But, oh, Daniel. Oh, Daniel, 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 Daniel. Um, yeah, he started off the game today. He had a nice base hit. Very happy to have him back. The team needs him. The lineup needs him. Literally everything needs him. Because when he goes, the team I goes. Him. Um, even though he's been going this year and the team has been going, that's because the team sucks. But very, very happy he's back. Very, very happy. Indeed. Okay, speaking of guys who are back. Fetty, Finnegan, and Hudson. Big time. Uh, especially Finnegan and Hudson. Obviously, you're glad Fetty's back because hopefully that means the uh, approaching the end of John Lester because I'm, I'm very much done with the John Lester experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all credit in the world to him. And he's had a great career. He's very accomplished. But when you're done, you're done. And there, there's nothing worse to me than seeing a guy who was once – great at the peak of the game um just stay on too long and not yeah. know what to do quit. what like, it, it's it's really really tough to watch that, because that that tends to be the lasting legacy of them finnegan and hudson come back leaves just rainy and harris i think on the il for the bullpen too right mm-hmm. right harris so he's not coming which back is, this season yeah yeah so harper got sent down um machado got sent down and then there's one other bullpen guy that uh, got, oh, yeah, the Lobstein. Bull- Lobstein. Lobstein. Yeah, that that's huge because that the bullpen uh, was was. It's funny because uh, I was just thinking the other day how how bad the the you know how uh, many injuries have crushed our bullpen this year, and yet they're still better than the uh, 2019 start the year bullpen, um, which was historically bad. It was. I was like, it's just kind of funny. You've got these, you've got Lobstein and Machado guys we never heard of, and it's still better than. Rosenthal and Eric opening Ball. day, uh, opening <laughs> yeah. day. Oh yeah, like, I just used to quietly weep every time the starters yeah. were taken Glover, out of the game yeah. in the beginning of 2019. Just yeah. Okay, time to turn off the game. The bullpen's coming in. Basically, I mean that's kind of how the, <laughs> how it felt the, the past couple the, games. The eighth inning in April and May of 2019 was just oh, the God. worst inning because we could not find somebody to get it to do. My only enjoyment was the Trevor Rosenthal. When will he get an out game? That was that was actually kind of cool in retrospect. It wasn't much fun at the time. Yeah, retrospect. Yeah, now that knowing we won the World Series at the end, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it made it okay. But it wasn't that much fun to live through. Yeah, but yeah. Also, I was thinking uh, when when Fetty came back. I think I tweeted it, and he ha- he was rusty. He didn't have a great start yesterday. But I was also like, man, I'm glad Fetty's back. And I'm like, I never thought I would say yeah. that. And I think this is the it's second time weird. I've said that this season. Well, He's been speaking great. of yeah, he has been great. And so, where does that leave us now, Lester or Espino? Like, who do we? I mean, Lester, we just talked about has been really bad. He's um, he's 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 been really terrible. Like, so do, the, we, do you think he goes to the bullpen now, and Espino stays in the rotation? So here's the thing with John Lester. After the game, he said his stuff isn't as good as it used to be, and he can't get out of these situations like he used to be able to be. Yup. That means it's time to retire, big guy. Um, you had a great career, but like I said earlier, Mike Rizzo does not swallow his pride. He's going to keep throwing Lester out there, and like when you're trying to get back in it, you can't have Patrick Corbin pitching as horrible as he is and John Lester pitching as horrible as he is. And as two complete liabilities in a rotation, that's not going to work. Um, but the thing is, I also don't think Espino is going to work either. He's a great story, but the odds of him having continued success like this are extremely slim. The more he pitches, the more likely things are going to go terrible for him. It's been a great story. These spot starts and random alleys to the bullpen are why he's successful. Do not ruin it by making them a starter in the rotation full-time. Yeah, Espino's so, a big-time re- regression candidate for sure. So what do we do? Yeah, so then who is the answer? Option C? What's option C? I there mean, is no option C. You just have to suck it up and deal with it. That's the thing. Like The farm system isn't good enough to get someone who will actually make a difference. That's the, that's the thing that sucks. 
you're just going to have to deal with it. Like I, so, that's the, that's the thing with the so offense. Keep Lester or deal with Espino. I would rather I would rather keep Lester. Like I'm not going to have a team that's supposed to be a championship roster turn to a lifelong minor leaguer who's been a fantastic story by the way. He's been absolutely great this year, but you cannot have that being in your rotation. Lester is going to win out because of his pedigree and what he has done in his career. Also, he's making uh, what five million dollars, whatever it is. Um, that also is going to play into it. But you're just going to have to suck it up and keep throwing them out there. Yeah, at, at this point, Ryan, you just mentioned a championship, quote-unquote, caliber roster. Uh, I guess I put quote-unquote on the wrong word there. Um, <laughs> but let's be honest, it, the rotation isn't championship caliber, if we're being honest. Like, Lester was not even close to what we thought he would be, and we didn't have the highest of hopes <laughs> for Lester. Yeah, what we thought he would be wasn't and, that impressive to begin with we didn't even know who espino was at the start of the season and he it's again great story like ryan said he he's a big time regression candidate mm-hmm. and his but wouldn't you of- just play him till the regression like to me i would take lester out of the rotation right now espino's been good if he starts to struggle you can put lester back in the rotation but to me if you have a better chance to win any given game right now with espino i would do that well, there's also another thing you have to consider. How will the ego of a 37-year-old who's won three World World Series take the fact that he just got demoted out of the rotation? That's something you're going to have to consider. The team didn't consider it with Drew Storm when he got replaced twice as a closer, and look what happened to him in the clubhouse. Those are things you have to consider also. Mm. Yeah, but I think the way he, the, just those words he said in that, but I don't have my stuff like I used to, I can't get out of those situations. I think he's he's signaling that he knows. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah, well, think if he, he knows, maybe you should do us all a favor and just retire. Yeah, but I mean, he's not going to do that. So I don't, I don't honestly think he would react that badly. I think he knows and understands. He's a smart guy. He's been around this game a long time. I think if the, what the team needs is a better option for his spot in the rotation, I don't think he's going to take it too personally, but... Maybe. Maybe. Who can say? I guess we're going to find out sometime pretty soon. Okay, so let's talk about outfield depth um, with Schwarber Hurt. Obviously, they don't have much depth to begin with. Um, we talked a little bit earlier. We, we touched on the idea of them going out and getting someone as a depth piece. Obviously, Souza and Eaton both were recently DFA'd. But if not them, then who do you think is a realistic? Literally anyone else. Um, the Nats do need outfield depth. They have been working out Josh Bell in left field before the game today. Um, Davey said that's also something we could see going forward, not in this stretch before the All-Star break, but in games after the All-Star break and then Zim play first. That kind of says a lot about what they think about Kyle Schwarber. and also says about the depth. The problem is they don't have any depth. Their depth for outfielders because Andrew Stevenson is hurt is basically just some like washed up veterans. They do need depth for the outfield. Adam Eaton, Steven Souza are not your answer. There are other places you can turn to to get this depth because you need someone who can actually hit the ball. Steven Souza has seven home runs since 2018 and a sub 650 OPS. No, thank you. Adam Eaton is absolutely terrible. Brian Goodwin tweeted his very happy when he was DFA'd. He also was terrible this year. They cannot hit. You have to find depth that can hit. Those two are not the options. There's guys out there you can find. There's probably someone you can trade for for cheap because they're going to buy. Those two are not the option for depth. I would much rather see Josh Bell learning left field on the fly than getting one of those two and trying to figure it out. You can't keep claiming and adding all these washed-up veterans and expect to compete. It is not a winning formula. You have to get actual good players if you want to compete and win this division. Also, as we're kind of seeing lately with uh, uh, Josh Harrison, he was signed to be a utility guy, and he was just the de facto starting second baseman because Carter Keepham couldn't stick. And granted, Jay Hay was doing a great job, don't get me wrong, but he his natural born role for this team is that give a guy a day off role. He plays left. He plays right. He plays second. He plays third and just spelling all the, all your normal starters. But Josh Harrison's kind of started in himself because he's playing so much. It's just his position switches. So that provides you a little bit of depth right there. And his bat has cooled off a little bit since the start of the season, but 
overall has made, remained pretty consistent. I mean, he just hit a three-run bomb last night. So uh, that provides you a little bit uh, of depth as well that you didn't have. Alcides Escobar, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, he's gotten off to a great start. I don't think that's going to necessarily continue either. But as as long as it's going on, it provides you some flexibility to move Jay Hay around and kind of make up for that lack of pop you're getting from the outfield because Robles is absolutely terrible offensively. Gerardo Parra is confirmed cheerleader status, the fact that they're working out Josh Bell in left field and looking at other options. Uh, but also, you're, Andrew Stevenson's making his third rehab start in AAA tonight, so he should be back very soon, and that kind of uh, solves your need for outfield depth in a sense, getting him back because you only have so many roster spots, obviously. So when Stevenson comes back, I would assume Paro's probably out. And then yeah, that would make sense. Um, I, I would imagine Jordy Mercer's probably DFA'd at this point. They're going to stick with Escobar. Um, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'd rather see Alex Avia in in the outfield before I see Souza Eaton back on the team. Just <laughs> the, you know, just for the memes, like. You know, because it, it's, it's yeah, like you guys said, Susan and Eaton aren't the answer. Um, so that's, I'm glad Stevenson's yeah. back. Schwarber, I, uh, it sounds like they're hoping he's not going to be out too long either. So, yeah, apparently, sorry, yeah. go ahead, Monty. No, that's, that's, that was it. I was finishing up thought. Uh, apparently, Schwarber was doing uh, pretty substantial work on the bike today, which is, you know, doesn't sound Fantastic like much, either. but it's good news for, you know, anyone not knowing the severity of his hamstring injury. If anyone had a, that severe hamstring injury, I don't think you would be putting in this kind of work on the bike this soon after your injury. So he's not going to come back before the break, but in terms of the rest of the season, he might not be out as long as we expect. And obviously it, when he comes back, he's your everyday guy. So again, this is on, only a temporary thing. So the fact that you're getting Stevenson back, who was your fourth outfielder to begin with, and Jay Hay uh, can flex in spots and give guys days off that that solves a lot of your outfield death problems. But I do love the idea of them working out Josh Bell and left. Not that I love Josh Bell left fielder, but it's your best offensive lineup putting Zim and Bell in the same lineup. We've seen mm -hmm. some success when we've played early games and we've had the, the benefit of the DH and you had either Bell or Zim DHing what the offense can do. So while very unconventional, it's your best offense and there's going to be some games where you got to put your best offense out there. Yeah. And it'd be nice if uh, they, if they are planning to be buyers at the deadline, if they don't, you know, kind of waste any assets trading for somebody for a temp what's hopefully a very temporary situation since Stevenson will be back soon to be your backup and hopefully Schwarber won't be too far behind. Yep. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about Escobar who has been a nice surprise. Um, hitting leadoff is it's, it's weird. Of course, Schwarber hitting leadoff was weird. So we continue with our weird leadoff situation, but what have you thought so far? What are you expecting from him? Well, Schwarber hitting leadoff was weird, but he at least hit leadoff in Chicago. It's also an MLB quality player. Like, no disrespect to Escobar. He's been a fine surprise, but kind of just shows, like, the current state of things where they acquire a guy who has not played in the big leagues in three years, and he's immediately leading off and is immediately getting substantial playing time. Kind of shows how things are doing. He yeah. shouldn't be leading off. He shouldn't be getting substantial playing time, but they kind of have no other options, which is really crappy. It yeah. So says a lot they that they won't even give Robles another shot at the leadoff guy. Who, yeah, that's who a was their leadoff lot. guy to start the season. So that's pretty damning in its own right. Ryan's absolutely right. Like Esquire has been a fine surprise. God, Robles just struck out on a terrible pitch. That that was timely. Um, <laughs> but uh, Esquire has been a, a fine surprise, and he's hitting four thirty eight. And you're like, wow, through his seven games right now, that, that that's awesome. But then you look a little deeper. His on base percentage is four thirty eight meaning he has not drawn a single walk, which if you're hitting 438, you don't need a walk. Yeah, that's okay. I understand. <laughs> but a leadoff guy, you're supposed to be able to get on base by any means. It's not supposed to be just all or nothing. So, I mean, and he doesn't, he hasn't really profiled as a traditional leadoff hitter. He hit leadoff for, you know, the great Royals teams in, in the mid 2010s. But even then he wasn't a prototypical leadoff hitter. He swings a lot. He, misses a lot he's on a great stretch right now and it's a good story but 
he shouldn't be getting this much playing time. The one thing I will say that he's doing well is he typically sees a lot of pitches. We mentioned that uh, as we were watching the game while recording last yeah, episode. Last mm-hmm. And as I, I watch more of his at-bats, he tends to see more five or more pitches. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I missed his first at-bat this game, so I don't know if that continued. And I'm just, this is all a moot point. But from what I see, it does seem like he sees a lot of pitches. So in that regard, he's doing more than someone, say, like a Victor Robles, since I just brought him up. Victor Robles would always just be swinging out of his shoes. Trey Turner, when he was first a leadoff guy, he would always be swinging out of his shoes too. So Escobar is at least seeing pitches and putting up good at-bats. Yeah, and as long as it's working, I mean, we don't have a lot of options right now, right? as you pointed out. But, um, you know, right now it seems to be working. It won't continue. I mean, it has to come back. He's not going to continue to hit 438. But, uh, you know, if they can just get through, if they can just get through this stretch and hopefully get Schwarber back and maybe get back to that lineup that was so much more productive in June than it had been in the earlier part of the season, hopefully the post-All-Star break can look a little bit more like, like that. <laughs> yep. Speaking of the All-Star break, Soto's going to be in the Home Run Derby. It's just super exciting. Surprise! That's what it is. There's good news. Um... He just hit his 11th home run, so he will not join the list of the four players who were in the home run derby with 10 home runs or less. Now I got to figure out how many people have been in the home run derby with 15 home runs or less. Or 11 um, or less. Yeah, it's it's a surprise, <laughs> one by but one. it's it it was a surprise. That's all I got to say. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm excited for it. Doing the home run derby is fine. Um, I know he was joking about saying, well maybe now I'll be able to hit the ball in the air more and pull it because that's kind of all you have to do in the Home Run Derby. But I love the Home Run Derby. Unfortunately for him, he does have to go up against Otani in the first round. So he might be bringing back the Washington, D.C. age-old tradition of getting knocked in the first round. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Hope he does well. Although, he'll fix his swing. if he goes on a tear here, I, so I would assume Salvador Perez has the second fewest home run. So maybe he can pass Perez and You would go. need to hit nine just to tie him. Hmm. Okay, so he needs like three more this game, and then <laughs> we'll go from there. Um, I, yeah, R- Ryan mentioned it, and I saw it on Twitter, the fact that obviously Juan Soto's been driving the ball into the ground a lot. So the Derby, while historically has either mentally or physically affected people's swings, trying to elevate the ball too much and obviously hit home runs, it might actually might help Soto because that's what he wants to do right now is elevate the ball and stop driving it into the ground. But as far as his actual prospects for the Derby itself, Soto has a very short and compact swing. Obviously, he gets a lot in it. We see him as absolute tanks, and he has a lot of power to the opposite field as well. But as far as his prospects for the Derby go, if it's a short, compact swing, that kind of helps you because you're just hitting so much, and after the first round, you're going to be tired. So if you can just have the same mechanics and same motion, you're going to do well in the Derby. Uh, so... You know, who who knows? He's not really an underdog. It feels weird calling Juan Soto an underdog, but I, I don't mind his chances in, in the Derby, and that, that's not me being a homer. That's just using my, my best guess on the, the, the player he is and kind of his swing. Well, maybe you'll get to pick him in a little while. Yeah, this is true. Monty, were you going to say something? No, I, uh, no, I agree. I think I said... Uh... Yeah, I think I was just following up on I'll take the uh, I'll take it if he hits three more home runs tonight. Ah, yes, I wouldn't say no. Yeah, I wouldn't. It is say only the no. second inning, and he already has one, so who knows? You know yeah, what else he chance. shouldn't say no to? Manscaped. Yeah. And heaters. I'm gonna appeal to the ladies listeners that we have. Summer's coming, and whether you're a dad bod or six pack kind of girl, either way, our friends at Manscaped have the fellas' hairy bodies covered. They just launched their fourth generation performance package which includes the lawnmower 4.0. Yes, the 4.0. Trim from the leaders in male grooming so that the man in your life can join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our promo code HSHH20. That's 20% off and free shipping. Get them anything that will improve their grooming and make you a happier lady. You can go use our promo code, save some money, and uh, help yourself out. Do yourself a favor, too. It's You can give your man a gift, but it also helps you out, too, because he's taking him, care of himself better. So use our promo code, HSHA20, 20% off, and free shipping off anything at Manscaped. And as Amanda alluded to earlier, we are doing a draft. 
Now the home run derby field is set with not only Juan Soto announcing his participation in the derby on Monday, Joey Gallo rounded out the field of eight. So you have Shohei Otani, Trey Mancini, Matt Olson, Trevor Story, Juan Soto, Joey Gallo, Salvador Perez, and I'm missing one. Trevor uh, Story. I said Trevor Story. Oh, who did we miss? I'm missing one. Alonzo? Alonzo, obviously. I, dang it. I, I wrote down seven, and then I was like, <laughs> oh, Alonzo is, is defending his title, so I'll remember him, and then I forgot. So, yeah, that's your field of eight. So we are doing a draft because if there's an opportunity do. to do a draft, <laughs> we do it. So, obviously, we have Monty joining us tonight. We have eight uh, players in the pool, so we will each get two. We haven't decided what the prize is yet. I mean, usually uh, we're just satisfied with bragging rights, but we'll, we'll have to come up with some little friendly wager. But Maybe to make it what it is. dreadful uh, Nats hats they came out with. Uh, <laughs> that's true. What I know what it is. What's what is going to be? Monty. Yeah. Winner gets to let Monty on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> or loser has to let Monty on the pod. Yeah, either like way. Which, uh, <laughs> either right. way. Yeah, potato, potato. It's yeah. all the same result. All right, so I have my uh, pick wheel, and I'm spinning it right now. It's going very slowly. Um, man. All right, Monty, how was your day? Is it, is it me? No. I get to go. I, I'm just trying to kill time until it picks. All right, it's slowing oh, down. Oh, man. Dang it. Oh, man. I got really excited. Damn it. I've been doing Is it me? That means it's me. Yep, Amanda <laughs> got first pick. Uh, hold on, I'm spinning for second and third because normally it's uh, easy when it's just Ryan and I to, to round it out. Second pick is, oh my God, it's right on the line. Damn it. Second pick is Monty. Yes. Yes. So now between third and fourth, terrible radio. Scintillating. Third is Ryan, so I'm bringing up the rear yet again. Cool. All right. Sick. Cool. All <laughs> right, so there's your order. Amanda lucks out, get, gets first pick again. Monty, Ryan, and then I go twice and snake draft style. So. All right. Well, I'm sticking with my plan from my our last draft of the home. Go with your heart. And I'm taking Otani. No. <laughs> yeah, Otani, he's amazing. I am just like marvel at that guy. I can't, I can't get enough. I read every day like what has he done in the last game and he's so exciting and so much fun and I think he's going to put on an absolute show at the Derby. I watch every day. <laughs> he watches <laughs> live. To watch he every day. I can barely make time to watch the Nats. I can't make time all right, to watch. Um, all right. There's so, a reason uh, we record at like midnight every night. And it's my fault because I have to put all of my 94 children to bed before we can record. All right. You're up. I am going to go with – I'm going to go with – I'll take Juan Soto. I'm going to take Juan Soto out of uh, St. Domingo, uh, Dominican Republic. Love it. Uh, that was unnecessary. Okay, Ryan, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you for the unnecessary detail. Every single year there's a surprise person who goes off, and everyone's sleeping on him this year, so I'm going Matt. Damn it. He was one of the three best pure power hitters in the game. And my man's is going to put on an absolute show. And he's my first. Pick. Damn it. I Parkview high school. That, that was my number one. <laughs> that, that, God, you're so annoying. Matt Olson was my uh, number one overall pick. Uh, I, he's my pick to win the Derby. Spoiler alert. Um, but he's actually Ryan's. Now that, uh, <laughs> Now that he's gone, uh, I now have a new pick to win the Derby. I'm going with the hometown guy, or at least the local team guy. I'm going Trevor Story. He knows that ballpark. We saw firsthand what it was like when your team is representing the Home Run Derby at your, your home park with Bryce Harper. Let's see if Trevor Story can get that magic uh, recreated. So I'm going to go with Trevor Story. I think Todd Frazier did it too as well in 2015 or whenever mm -hmm. it was. Um, so I'm going to go Trevor Story. My second pick, I really wanted Matt Olson, uh, but I, I think I'm going to go with Pete Alonso. He's been there, done that, and anytime someone gets a chance to defend their crown, it's rare. We, we, we haven't seen anyone go to defend their crown recently. We didn't see Judge do it. We didn't see uh, Harper do it. Um, did Vladdy win? 
no, Vladdy mm-hmm. didn't win, right? No, because Alonzo won, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it's rare you see someone try to defend their crown. The fact that Alonzo is doing it tells me he really wants to win. So I'm going to go Pete Alonzo for my second pick. All right, Ryan, who you got? That's always a good pick when you go a polar bear. I'm sticking to my theme of big daddies, and I'm going Joey Gallo, who's also going to put on a show. He's a fantastic pure power hitter. So I got two refrigerators on my team once again, Matt Olson and Joey Gallo, and they're going to put on a beautiful show. Yeah, I mean, I was going to go Gallo. I think he'll probably definitely make it past the first round, but I'm afraid of him gassing out. So I had to go someone who, who's been battle-tested. And it's also funny that you got both your guys from your draft. I was just thinking last, that last time. I guess I'll get whoever's left. So who? No, got no, no. All right, I'm I'm ready. I'm gonna stick in the Beltway. I'm gonna go with uh, the uh, the good story. I'm gonna go with uh, the, the University of Notre Dame alumnus uh, oh Trey Mancini. Why do you know all of these things? Because he's looking it up. <laughs> I, I, I'm just well prepared. You give me a chance. I'm gonna <laughs> make some I got note it. of it. Put me in, coach. Yeah, I got it on a post-it note. All right. Well, then I guess I guess I get Salvador Perez. So that's my I get Otani and Perez. So Ryan, he has 19 home runs or 20 home runs this year. Perez does. He has 19. Mm-hmm. I doesn't he hit normally like eight or nine a year? Yeah, but he missed a bunch of time, so he's just been saving him up. Uh, I, yeah, I guess so. I was gonna say that's kind of sneaky. I didn't even really follow. Yeah, because he was like the the fourth or fifth guy to declare his entry into the uh, the Derby, and I I thought that was like the one of the most random picks. Oh, Josh Bell RBI base loaded. His career it. high actually. Uh, he in uh 2017 and 2018 he hit 27 home runs, so he had his sneaky pop. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It. All right, I'll take it. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. So to recap, Amanda has Shohei Otani, Salvador Perez, Monty has Juan Soto, and Trey Mancini going with his Beltway Bros. Ryan is sticking with his fridge, as fridge friends. Fridge. 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 Something. Alliteration uh, is fun. Yeah, I was trying to help you out there, Ryan, but I kind of butchered it. Uh, Matt Olson and Joey Gallo, and I'm going the local guy travel story and the defending camp. Pete Alonzo. All right, that's well, going to be fun. I always love the home run derby. It's one of my all. It's one of my favorite things in sports. The best all star break event in all sports. Yeah, although I know this is like hipster, and uh, you know I always talk about hockey on our baseball co- podcast, but the skills competition is fun when you watch that at the hockey all star break. Oh yeah, because what they do is insane. But it's insane. And as far I, as like must watch fan, TV, you don't appreciate it, but. As far as much must watch TV, it used to be the dunk contest, but is now unquestionably the home run derby. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I think we are down to our last segment here, which is the one big thing. What do you guys got? Uh, mine is just to piggyback off myself uh, from earlier with this two trains of thought. It's I guess kind of natural when your team's five hundred and on the in the the state of the NL East as a whole. You're in striking distance, even though you're not overall playing your best baseball or you have a bunch of injuries and, and things aren't going the way you planned. Um, but it, it just feels like I'm being torn in two different directions. Like I, I want the Nets to do well, but that doing well can look a couple of different ways. It can obviously be the production on the field, the, the wins in, in the, in the um, you know, win column and whatnot. Or it can be setting yourself up for success in the future, which is what my article outlined the other day. If they were to sell, it would not mean they can't compete in 2022. Look at what the Red Sox did. They traded a top five player in baseball in Mookie Betts, and they're the best team in baseball so far through you know July 7th this year. It does not prevent you from contending. And the Nats obviously have Juan Soto, Trey Turner, they're going to have Strauss and Corbin to, to hopefully bounce back in 2022. They have the pillar in place. Josh Bell is still under contract, and he's on fire recently. They have great foundi- foundational pieces in place that if selling this year to recoup some assets to give you some more you know pieces to play with, whether guys being called up or um, you know trade pieces to go out and get proven commodities, it's not a bad thing. Like. If you can't compete with the Dodgers, the the Padres, the Giants, the Brewers, even the Mets, like I understand everyone wants to win the division and have those bragging rights, 
But if you can't compete for a pennant, what really is the point? And then, of course, on the other side, I just want them to win. I want them to do well. I want to have those bragging rights because I'm a competitor myself, so I don't want to see my team necessarily punt. But it, it goes back to the offseason and last year's trade deadline, and probably the trade deadline before that, where they really just have to pick a lane. I cannot stand another deadline where we see Mike Rizzo. Like Ryan said, his only move is to acquire like someone uh, like a, as Dribble Cabrera. That doesn't do anything one way or another. You need to either go all the way buy or all the way sell, mm-hmm. not this middling thing. Not the purgatory. You're, you're going to set yourselves up. We use the Giants as an example because obviously they, they had a great um, success, but then they let it run too long, and then they were kind of in purgatory, although this year is kind of an anomaly with them, so they might not be the best example anymore. But you, if you delay the inevitable too long, it hurts your franchise badly, and I don't want – the Nats to do that and waste prime years of Juan Soto, possibly Trey Turner and, and, and other guys. So as long as they pick a lane one way or another, I'll be fine. But the sooner they do it, the better, because I'm tired of this two trains of thought process. All right. Mommy, so, what's your one big thing? Or Ryan, whoever wants to go next. Yeah, this is uh, my podcast, not yours, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick, one thing you said they have good pieces for a core. They don't. They have a piece for a core, not pieces. Just I, I just that. mean for 2022. All right. Because all right, all right. That, that was the point I'll I was trying that. to make. Like that. it doesn't trading this year doesn't mean you're punting on 2022 as well. All right. All right. I'll give you that. Um, my one big thing is stop playing 500 and losing series to good teams. Please win them. Um, it's a lot more fun. And also just prove you guys are as good as you keep saying or everyone in the organization. It's July 7th. I'm still waiting to be proved wrong about this team. Please do it. Go on a run. Win this series against the Padres. Sweep the Giants. Win the series against the Padres again. Prove me wrong. I, I, I've been waiting all year. They're up seven. I would like seven to nothing it. right now. So I, they'll probably find a way to lose it. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> One game means absolutely nothing. Yeah, five nothing and then losing sounds like something that could happen. Yeah. It could happen. Okay, Monty, now it's your turn. What you got? We're, uh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, we're we're getting healthy, so you know I'm I'm feeling good about this team. Uh, we just you know we're up five nothing, and uh, we're getting guys healthy, and we're Seven gonna nothing. go on a run. Seven, Seven nothing. nothing. Thank you. And uh, yeah, uh, it's also uh, my fifth time on the pod, so it's a very special episode. Big uh, big moment for me. Uh, so thank you guys. And, uh, lastly, it is draft week. Yes. That is something we didn't talk about. Yeah. So we've got the draft coming up. We've got the 11th pick, uh, the 11th pick. I have not seen anybody in the last couple of months in any mock draft having us pick a position player. I've seen about five or six different pitchers in that slot, including, uh, Kumar rocker in one. Um, given he's dropped a little bit due to command issues and uh, his price tag. So that would be awesome. Um, but it looks like we're probably, based on everything the mock drafts are saying, which could, you know, take that with a grain of salt, looks like we will be probably taking a pitcher. Because yeah. Mike Rizzo, gonna Mike Rizzo. Yeah. We actually, a uh, little tease, we are getting William Bohr of MLB Pipeline on next week. This will be after the draft concludes, so we can kind of recap and, and talk what went down. Yes, and some of, some of the uh, dark horses, the picks he liked, the picks he didn't like, and obviously the Nats draft pool itself. Uh, but with the, all the mock drafts, the way William kind of explained it to Ryan and myself is they do those mock drafts and create those top 100 lists and, and whatnot based on talking to scouts and kind of front offices around the league. So the fact that the Nats have been consistently projected to take a big, strong right-hander, uh, regardless of who it is, kind of tells you that's where they're leaning. And as we have seen, that's kind of the micros of special. Mm-hmm. So don't Are be surprised. Are you a tall right-handed pitcher yeah. with injury concerns? Yeah. Don't be surprised if you did it again. Although they might go, because they seemingly found success with the Cavalli pick, they might go um, a, another col- a collegiate pitcher who's established rather than a high school guy. Just something to make note of. This is my one big thing, but. Oh, well, I made it a bigger <laughs> thing. No, uh, by the way, the uh, the Marlins just beat the Dodgers again. 
Jeez. So the Marlins are better. This than makes the me Nets. feel even worse about they, getting swept. Yeah, they the beat. They, that's three in a row against the Dodgers for the Marlins. Nine six. Hmm. Oof. All right. Well, I'll take it, but it does make me feel even worse. All right. So my one big thing is Josh Bell, who we have pretty roundly criticized on this podcast. I have for, never criticized him. I would. Well, ju- I've always I say discussed ju- his discussed his struggles at. Okay, length. that's would fine. That okay. That's fine. Well, I just wanted to take a little look um, when I were thinking about this big thing, and I looked at his numbers. So April, he was slashing 113, 200, 264, just, just absolutely awful. Um, May was significant improvement. Slash line was 264, 312, 483. And in this last stretch where he's finally turning things around, he is slashing since, I guess this is, let me see what was the date I put on this one. Since June 14th, his slash line is 360, 448, 640. So he has really found his swing. Um, he he is really performing like the Josh Bell that we hoped they were signing. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if the guy we saw early in the season is the real Josh Bell or this one. But if he can keep this up, it's you know, and if Schwarber can come back and and be some semblance of what he was in June, these uh, these signings will look a hell of a lot better than they were looking five or six weeks ago. I love Josh Bell. I don't know why, but even at the time of the trade, I loved the uh, potential and kind of the idea of what it would be like to have a a well-performing Josh Bell in the lineup and obviously a switch hitting. Uh, It's just so cool to see a switch hitter to to me and seeing it all come together is just awesome. He's quickly becoming not just one of my favorite players, but my favorite player. I just find myself rooting for him day in and day out. Every single at bat, I, I want him to do well. And not that I don't want other guys to do well, but I'm just actively rooting for Josh Bell. So I, I hope so he sticks. He's so likable, too. He seems like yeah. such a great guy. I know Monty loves him because he has a book club. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't do any fiction, so I'm not as I'm not as excited as I was anymore it's all self-help books. Well, well maybe he can write a book about the nats winning the division in 2021 and that'll, that'll be your fiction yes I'll wow. wait wait a second i was like <laughs> damn it you got it I, so that's my one big thing my one big thing is josh bell who, who is just really doing well right now and and i agree with you nick he's really a fun star i like him he seems like a really great guy he's young and and had so much success in his rookie year and it's great to see him finding that kind of success again so obviously it's great for the Nats but it's also great for him personally so hopefully we see much more of it yep all right anything else just keep your eyes on the uh, website for more articles we got a lot coming out over the next couple weeks leading up to the deadline so uh, you'll have plenty to read and that'll be your half street high heat And while you're at the website, make sure you click on the link for the T Public site. There's two new Juan Soto Home Run Derby shirts, both of which are absolutely awesome. If you didn't see them on Twitter today, they're super cool. You can find them there. And there's going to be some new merch uh, in addition to that dropping pretty soon. There will be four new shirts dropping, uh, what's today? So if you're listening to this Thursday, they'll be out by Friday. And isn't it only four? Is fourteen dollars for these shirts right now when they're on sale for their first weekend? Uh, correct. the The first three days after a release, they are on sale, thirty percent off. That's our gift to you guys. So, if you like it, don't hesitate because it won't be on sale forever. All right, that is good advice. Okay, well, go Nats! Looking like a good game tonight. We will talk in a few days. Monty, thank you for joining us. We always love it when we get to have you on the pod. And uh, we'll talk soon. Go Nats. Let's go Nats. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. the
early light of dawn Well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.